Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Tightline Outdoors, uh, you see him with us at the ISD show all the time. He guides for Tightline for years. He's a very accomplished angler, a tournament fisherman, Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. Uh, and it is a good morning, isn't it? It is. I mean, we're we're trying not to mention that W four letter W word, but boy, it's nice for a change. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm out on the water right now. We're just smacking them. Where, where are you at? Chatfield. Are you walleye or smallmouth or both? Both. Both are going strong. It's an early year for bottom bouncer and nightcrawler bite. You can also drag uh, leeches behind a lindy rig or a jig uh, with a nightcrawler or, or leech, and everyone's catching them. We've caught about 40 or 50 this morning and a couple of limits of fish, some ice keepers. Oh, that's awesome. So you're getting both. Are you when are you targeting the walleyes and just picking up some smallmouth, or are you targeting walleyes and when you get enough of that going after the smallmouth are you changing your presentation yes changing the presentation so after we get done walleye fishing and the bite will slow you know late morning about any time now to start to slow down then we'll switch over to uh tossing sinkos or drop shots around spawning areas the bass both largemouth and smallmouth are on beds they moved to beds in the last three or four days and so you're fishing shallow, hard bottom areas, or sight fishing the bed itself with uh, sinkos or drop shots. Uh, drop shots are my two best uh, presentations for this. Now on Chatfield, you don't have much of a largemouth bite. That's mostly smallmouths, right? It's it's a hundred percent smallmouth, but some nice ones. They've got some big fish growing up in this lake on the smallmouth side, and numbers of them. Just uh, yesterday, you- I was out here. We caught uh, probably 20 or 30 smallmouth. That's awesome. Now, were they all on beds? Were some of them still moving up and down, some pre-spawn, or were pretty much everything you're catching on beds? You know, the, the, the thing that triggers the uh, bass, whether it's largemouth or smallmouth, to come on beds is the full moon cycle. And this month in May, it's early. Normally, it's later in May. And being early, it's triggered these fish to start coming up in waves. And they do come up in waves over about a 30-day period. So the first wave is uh, moving up right now, and you can sight fish those fish. And there are other fish a little bit deeper in that 7, 8, 10-foot of water that are staging to move in. Now, you're right. It is a little early. In fact, I was out checking some ponds and smaller lakes and caught a bunch of nice bass over the last couple of weeks and a bunch of panfish. I was kind of really more checking for panfish to take my grandkids out fishing if they come up. Um, and I was surprised because the weed growth hadn't come up yet in a lot of the small ponds, which meant the water was still fairly cool. But yet there was activity, and they say that's the full moon. Uh, what is the water temperature at Chatfield? It is probably a little bit cool on the cool side for bass. 57. But smallmouth like the cooler water. So, like you said, there's not a lot of largemouth. There's a few, but uh, 57 degrees. At Quincy, which is a smaller bass lake, it's already hit 60. Uh, so, you know, lakes are ranging between that 57 and 59 range. And Quincy, the smaller bodies, ponds are hitting 60 degrees now. 
And that's a pretty pretty crucial temperature. Once you get into those 60s, they really are actively spawning. Um, what are you doing at Quincy for the largemouth, different than you might be doing at uh, Chatfield for the smallmouth? You know, um, again, the Cinco works really well as those staging fish move up in waves during the day as the shallow water warms. Throwing, just going down the bank and blind casting Cinco's, not unnecessarily fishing a bed, will catch those fish as they move in. And the drop shot, if you're sight fishing, you know, there's two type, two ways to tell a bed from a distance. One is a light color circle and the other is a dark color circle. And people miss the dark color circles. They don't realize that that's a bed. And um, tossing a drop shot behind the bed and dragging it in with a little four or six inch plastic worm is an awesome technique. They just will not leave it alone. But you can also throw a jig in there. Sometimes if they totally ignore the drop shot, you can throw a jig and drag it in. It looks like a crayfish, and they will not leave a crayfish on that bed. They'll pick it up and move it out. Yeah, we used to do that with tubes quite a bit. Put a fairly heavy head into a tube and try to get it right into the the, the bed and move it around. It drives them crazy. They hate it. On your Cinco's, are you rigging those wacky style or are you Texas rigging them? I Texas rig them because then they're weedless. You don't have to worry about them snagging the bottom or uh, any structure that you're fishing around. Bass, when they go in beds, love to be around something to hide or protect part of the bed so they don't have to guard it quite as aggressively. So when you're trying to you fish know, I, you know, a stick or something, you're going to hang it if you if it's not weedless. I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, wacky rigging uh, presentations like a Cinco or a small worm uh, can be fantastic presentations. But if you need to get into the cover, the rocks, the bushes, the weeds, I'm a huge believer in Texas rigging Cinco's. I do it a lot more, I think, than most guys I fish with. Sounds like you might do that, too. I do. Once they move shallow, I'll throw a Cinco year-round. Yeah, and it's it's a tremendous bait. It's uh, and it's one that it's hard to make a bad presentation with, isn't it? it absolutely, and it, it's dynamite on these rocks. Chaffel has a lot of rocks and dam area. They will the smallmouth will not let a four inch cinco alone. If you throw it up on those rocks, you can have a heyday on them, catch fifty of them in no time. I was just going to ask you what size and uh, any particular color. A four, a four inch, and if I'm, and by the way, I use these four inch cinco's for trout too. You go up into an antero or someplace like that. They they love those little four inch cinco's. But if I'm not fishing for trout, it's, if it's bass, it's a dark color, either a light green, dark green, green pumpkin, um, something olive color. And nowadays they, they laminate them so they've got two or three different colors in the plastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I got to tell you a quick story real quick. was down in Mexico bass fishing on one of those, uh, what was Lake Huitez, one of those big bass lakes down there. And I was out with our guides from the resort, and I'd, it was their water, so I didn't want to tell them how to fish, but I had my stepson with, and he was going to run camera for a TV show. But we weren't ready to film yet, so I said, or we had Karen running another camera. So I said, here, let me put a little Senko on and just throw this around those bushes. I Texas rigged it, and I said, and see if you can hook up, because he, he, he wasn't an experienced bass angler at the time. So I'm throwing the lures that these guys are telling me and the spots they say are going to hold bass. Meanwhile, he's already caught like four or five huge bass on this little Senko. 
So the guy turns to me and he goes, maybe you should throw a sinkhole. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people don't. You know, it, it's just a stick, plastic stick bait, and it doesn't look like much. I admit that. But if you put it in the water with a hook in it and watch it, as it sinks, the reason it's called a sinko is it's full of salt. It makes it heavier than water, so it makes it sink. And that added salt, when it sinks, it actually wiggles. And that wiggle is what makes it come alive in the water, not the action you impart by moving it to pick it back up off the bottom and then let it sink again. That's the presentation. I call it a do-nothing bait. Just throw it out there and do nothing, and you'll catch fish with it. You're absolutely right. It's a great bait to throw. And if you don't get something, you can pop it up, jig it around a little bit, and then let it fall all over again. You can make that presentation sometimes two or three times before you reel it in. Absolutely. And when you wear out the plastic a little bit on one end, save it, cut it in half, and use it for a Ned rig. Yep. Oh, yeah, they make great. In fact, I, I get a kick out of all the way that they're making now these little Ned rig baits. All they are is Senkos that they cut the end off the mold. And so if you, you're right, if you've got old ones. Before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing. What are you seeing out at uh, Chatfield Reservoir? The walleye bite is crazy. It's I, just from I meant Cherry Creek. We talked Chatfield. Oh, Cherry I'm Creek. Yeah, the fish have been in the basin, but uh, Cherry Creek is a shallower lake and, and, and smaller and than Chatfield, so it warms a little bit quicker. So that water temperature was in high 50s. And, of course, it's been closed for a week due to a death out there. It's back open now, and that water temperature is approaching 60 degrees. Those fish, just like they are at Chatfield, are going to move up on the roadbeds and shallow flats at uh, Cherry Creek if they're not already there. I haven't been there in the last two days, so they could already be up there. But when they're in the basin, we like to pull lead core with flicker sheds and plastic. Uh, we've been killing them all April and early May uh, doing that. And some population of them still are deep in that 22 feet, uh, trolling with your ticker motor. Uh, and then as they move up on top of the shallow flats, you want to switch over to blade baits. Uh, the the uh, slow death uh, bottom bouncer works great with a night crawler. And I'll switch to that right now, actually, is when the transition is, is occurring. Before we move on, you made a great point. Uh, unfortunately, there was a tragedy out at Cherry Creek that had the lake closed for the last week. So people getting out there in the next couple of days, those fish haven't been beat up the way they normally are. Um, you might get some pretty active fish that haven't been molested for a while that really uh, really could end up being a tremendous, almost like a, almost like a mid-June bite if, if, it, if you get into the right, right fish. What are you seeing at uh, Aurora Reservoir? Anything? Aurora is a little later. It's a deep lake. It has 70, 80 feet of water in the basin. And because of that, it warms slower than most of our metro lakes. So uh, the smallmouth will be the first thing. And they are giants out there. Low population, but big fish. The state record came from there. I got one out of there a few years back that was six, seven. And uh, those monsters are still there. And they'll be on beds in the Marina Cove fishing the Rocky Points sight fish in those beds, drop shot again is a dynamite presentation as well as the Cinco. Um, and next will be the the walleye. And at Aurora Reservoir, I, I like to fish Aurora in the summertime for walleye because it's a cooler lake. They stay deeper. And uh, just about all these techniques we're using now, bottom bouncers as well as uh, 
blade baits, things like that work fine. And I would imagine you're still picking up a lot of trout at Aurora too. Both uh, shore I'm glad and you boat. mentioned the trout. It it is a hidden gem for trout here in the metro area. Three, four pound trout in lots of them. It's stocked every yeah. year and those trout are, are monsters. Yeah, it's a great, it's a hidden gem. A lot of people don't go because you can't use your big motor, but I'd go out there with my big boat and just use the electric, or if you've got a smaller boat with electric, you can use electrics, and you're not going to fight the wakes, and it's a, It's just a, it's a beautiful fishery. Last but not least, what are you seeing up in the mountains? Um, our mountain lakes are open as far as water uh, is concerned. The ice is gone. Um, Antero's open, so is uh, 11 Mile and Spinney. Spinney is my favorite trout lake up there just because of the size of the cut bows. Uh, but it's just really getting started. Um, at Spinney, they draw the water down. It's owned by the city of Aurora, so they're just filling it up. It's going to take a little while to get that water level back to where it needs to be. But Antero's putting out trout, so is 11 Mile. Uh, so it's just starting. The trout bites are. All right. Well, sounds like there's a lot to choose from. If you if you're going to go fishing tomorrow, where would you go? Chatfield? Uh, Chatfield and Cherry Creek, and you want to go uh, for walleye. It's It really is, uh, if you haven't experienced it this year, early bite and phenomenal for numbers and keepers, quality fish. I have to give a shout-out to the Division of Wildlife. They have done a masterful job of milking the females and males and uh, restocking these lakes in Colorado with walleye, and they are abundant. All right, my friend. Sounds like it's time to be on the water. Matt, I'll let you get back and do some more fishing. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Matt Ensley, great resource, great, great segment. Tell you what, folks, it's uh, now till the end of June is going to be some of the best warm water fishing in the state. Uh, and the trout fishing in the mountains is going to take off. We'll have some runoff issues. We're going to talk about that in the next segment for you fly anglers. But there's just a lot going on. It's time to be out there. The wind has died down there. I said it out loud. I, I, I jinxed us, but hopefully that's all going to be good. So uh, just get out there. And by the way, a lot of what we talked about, especially those smallmouth on Aurora Reservoir, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, we have legacy television shows from our TV days there. One of them's on those smallmouth at Aurora, and uh, we went out and we put a herd on them. So go take a look at that. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Vince is going to join us from St. Peter's Fly Shop. We're going to talk about the runoff and some of the rivers up here in the northeast part of the state. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from St. Peter's Fly Shop is Vince Herrera. Good morning, Vince. Hey, Terry. How's it going? It's going good. What a beautiful day. I know you're up here in Fort Collins with me, and it couldn't be more gorgeous, could it? Oh, it's nice, man. We got uh, really good temperatures, sun's out, and uh, everything looks really good today. It's hard not. It's hard to be in the studio and not on the water right now. I tell you what, it's it's gorgeous. I want to talk about a few things with you. I want to talk about the state of the runoff and and maybe the pooter in particular. And then I want to talk about fishing it that way. And then maybe some alternatives, other rivers, and maybe some still water. But let's talk about what do you see going on? Is there a lot of snow up there? Is it starting to come down? What are you seeing for runoff in the pooter right now? 
Yeah, everything. Last week we saw our first big push of water, so it's been about a week now since we've been seeing the river flowing at around about 1,200 CFS, so everything's starting to get a move on. I was actually talking to a gentleman who uh, is still skiing up there on Cameron's Pass, so he said there's a good amount of snow up there, and um, I mean, even before that, we kind of knew that our snowpack was decent this year, so um, hopefully we'll have a good month or a month and a half of some water coming down as long as we don't get up into some super high temperatures, but uh, yeah, we could also use a, a little bit of extra moisture, but um, yeah, so far, everything is moving along. We got high, high water flows. We're getting ready to start kind of moving into that high water season. We're starting to make adjustments to our rigs, to the flies we're using and everything, but yeah. Is it, do you think the runoff maybe is just a little later than normal? And to me, it seems like it's the flows all of a sudden are coming up in the pooter. Usually they start coming up a little sooner or am I just, is that just my thought process? You're, Where, you're you right. It's, it's usually pretty gradual. I remember, I mean, a couple of years ago, it would start um, usually in like early May like this, but it wouldn't usually get this high that quick. So for it to happen kind of overnight like that, that was a, a big kind of um, surprise to us. But, yeah, I mean, uh, usually by now that we're getting towards the end of uh, May, yeah, this is kind of usual, and we're starting to see some of that higher stuff because we work closer to June, you know. Do you are you still fishing the pooter or is there too much water coming down? Oh yeah, I'm still fishing it. I think a lot of people are still fishing it too, and it, it, some, it sometimes can look pretty intimidating out there. You get to the water and, and it's up on the bank and it's in the willows and everything, but that makes for good holding water for fish. So now that we're getting to the warmer part of the year, we don't wear waders anymore. Sometimes you don't even have to get into the water just because the fish are right up there on the bank where it's real slow and you get all that slack water. So, yeah, we're still fishing it. Um, it looks blown out, but, uh, I mean, there's still fish out there to be caught even despite the, the fire that happened a couple of years ago. Now you're talking, yeah, yeah, because you have some discoloration not only from the normal mud that a rising river brings you, but you have some ash still going in there. Right. Are you fishing up and down the river, or are you having to fish certain areas? You know, the, that lower section of the canyon has a little bit more fish. I think after the Cameron Peak fire and, and we, we had a mudslide last year, <clears throat> there's a little less fish in that, that middle section of the canyon. The higher section of the canyon is, is still pretty good as well. So um, a lot of people have been kind of fishing that lower area. You know, you have the north fork of the Pooter that comes in too, and so we've been fishing that as well, and that's unaffected. So that's doing really good. So a lot of people have been sticking pretty low in the canyon, and that's where kind of you see some of those numbers um, still around. Now, if people think, oh, my, the water's discolored, the fish aren't going to bite or feed. Well, the fish continue to eat. They just have to try to get out of the current a little bit, and they have to make sure they can see your presentation. What kind of approach do you take when you're fishing? What kind of uh, flies, what kind of rig do you use when you're fishing this time of the year on the scooter? Yeah, this, I mean, right now I've been making the switch to, to really big flies. So when the water's up and moving fast and off color like that, these fish only have so long to make a decision on the food they're going to eat. So they're looking for characteristics in their, in their food that are big and stuff that they could see easily and make out right away. So now, whereas two weeks ago I was fishing size 18 and 20 blueing olive nymphs, um, the water's really high and, and dirty right now. So I've been switching it over to, hopper dropper rigs with with big pmx's and chubby chernobyls up top like a size 12 and i'm just going to keep getting bigger and then 
underneath that, I'll, I'll run something like a like a patch rubber legs, or we have uh, the the twenty bomb over here. Um, that's a really really good fly that that kind of creates that shadow of legs and a big body really quick. So I've been if I'm not using something big like a stonefly like that, I've been kind of going with something flashy too. So um, the pooter is loaded with tons of caddis larvae, and there's this. Uh, this pattern we call the ticket that we use, and it's it's really flashy. It's bright green, and it's able uh, those fish are able to see that really quick. So I'm now just starting to kind of run those hopper dropper rigs right there along the bank in that slower water where those fish are kind of hanging out. And so um, yeah, that's kind of my favorite time of year to go out there and, and fish, just because it's it's easy to access, and you could seriously put on one rig and just pound the banks all day and be able to find fish so it's pretty fun and when you're and when you're saying hopper dropper you're not specifically using a hopper you're using a big terrestrial or a big attractor type fly on top and then a dropper underneath it right yeah mm, correct so i mean i like the chubby chernobyl um the the pmx is a really good stone fly imitation so we have tons of golden stones and squalas on the pooter so um, even a couple of weeks ago, we were seeing squalas moving around up there. So I've been using those PMXs for squal imitations. So, yeah, stimulators are really good stonefly imitations. Um, but uh, pretty soon, probably in about a couple more days even, the, the hopper fishing gets really good on the Poudre River too. And so it's hard to walk to the river without hearing them in the grass and all over the place. You can hear them jumping when you're setting up your rig at your car. So, yeah, the... the the grasshopper fishing is, is really going to get good soon. I love hopper dropper season because at my age, I can still, I can make a cast. It's okay if it splashes down because that's how <laughs> hoppers hit the water anyway. Right, and yeah. with my old, and with my old eyes, I can see where it's at. So that's one of my favorites. I'll fish those for so much of the summer. I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to make a quick comment to what you said about, you know, this is a good time of the year, and especially on rivers like the Pooter, for especially an experience, but for anybody, you made a comment, don't get, you don't need to get in the water. Leave your waders at home because you, you take one misstep in that off-color water and the current can grab you. And like you've been saying the whole time, the fish are up against the bank. You don't need to be out there. Let's move real quick before we run out of time to the Big Thompson. What's going on over there? That's been fishing really good, too. So uh, we've seen the flows above Lake Estes come up, um, and then even the flows below Lake Estes at the tailwater, they're starting to increase the flows out of there, too. So um, between employees and our customers and our guides, we've been going over there, and we've been fishing that. And, I mean, it's been stellar. And the fish are very healthy over there. Um, and I don't know if there's a lot of people out there that fish the Big Thompson. Um, it's a little bit shorter of a canyon, so it's, it's a little bit harder to find access on, on a weekend or something like that. But, um, I mean, those fish out of there are, I mean, high-quality rainbows, and there's some uh, browns in there, and they just, they'll, some days they'll be eating really small little brassies in like a size 22, and some days they're really looking up for big uh, mills off the surface and so um, it's been fishing really good over there I'm excited to get up into kind of above Lake Estes and, and fish over there um, there's some, some good little creeks and streams and tributaries that run in and um, it's really fun up there well, it really is, you get up especially near or up to the park or even just below the park and you know I have since the flood it's been what about eight nine years 
that Big Thompson has really bounced back the whole entire stretch, really fishes well. Real quick, you know, there's some people who aren't going to want to fight the increased flows, even in the tailwaters. But you're pretty avid about, hey, this is a great time to try some stillwater fishing, right? Oh, stillwater and warm water fishing is like, for me, it's hard to find what I really want to do on my days off because there's so many options along the front range. Whether you do want to go up into high alpine stillwater fishing, that's going to start getting really good here in a couple of weeks. Or even just like poking around in some of your local areas and neighborhoods to see if there's ponds that hold smallmouth and carp and it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun this time of year um, to be able to kind of get out there and, and spend some of your days in the city doing that. So, But, yeah, I mean, stillwater fishing has been great. We have some lakes up here in northern Colorado, um, like the Delaney Buttes, or even just some of the high alpine lakes up in Rocky Mountain National Park. And, I mean, up there, when the flows are high or when it's super warm down in the lower elevation stuff, like Fort Collins or, say, uh, the big Thompson Canyon, it's nice to be able to get away from all of that and go up into some of the secluded destinations and, and have cool, you know, 70-degree days and, and just be up there throwing dry flies to little fish and, and sometimes even big fish on some of these lakes. So it's it's a blast, yeah. And, and Go ahead. No, I would say we're almost out of time, but I think the one drawback to stillwater fishing, I love stillwater fishing, is that a lot of fly anglers, they used to using the river to tell them where the fish are located and then using the river to make their presentation. And on a stillwater presentation, you have to kind of figure out where the fish are. You have to understand fish movement and structure a little bit. And then sometimes you can fish a still under an indicator or even on the surface. And sometimes you have to bring it life. And I think fly anglers get a little intimidated with still water, don't you? Sometimes, yes. And, and that whole kind of aspect of fly fishing was something that I didn't really put a lot of time into. Um, and just till recently, just because I, I see how effective it is. But I think for anglers, it's it's hard to channel your patience and, and sit there and, and constantly be making those tiny adjustments. And that's just something that comes with stillwater fishing. A lot of the times when you first get there and you start rigging everything up, a lot of it's just going to be experimenting with depths under your indicator and inching everything down a little bit until you find where those fish are. Um, and oftentimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll first start out with stripping leeches just to see if there's any fish interested in, in taking something moving before I will try to start experimenting with an indicator rig. So when you when you take the time and, and you break it down and you, and you just really let your flies sit out in the water as long as possible, even if you're fishing a dry fly, uh, just making sure that you're letting those flies stay in front of those fish that's when I really noticed my um, success rates start going up. And I was catching more fish and, and being able to sift through the smaller fish to get to some of those bigger fish. So, yeah, letting your flies stay out there, is a, that's, that's the big key, I think. Vince, we are out of time. If people want more information, how do they find you guys at St. Pete's? Oh, man, we're always active, very active on social media. Um, we have tons of events and classes that we run all through the summer. Um, we have a free wa or high water presentation at our south store next week. So you can even call to sign up for that, and that's going to be in the classroom over there. Um, we're just very active in the community, so keep an eye out. Oh, we Saint do. Go ahead. Just look, just look for St. Peter's Fly Shop. That's right, yeah. Um, you can go to right, the website, stpeets.com, and then St. Peter's on Instagram. 
All right, my friend, we have to run, but great segment, Vince. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem, Terry. Glad to, uh, glad to chat with you guys. All right, that's Vince Herrera. We ran a little over. But we're going to take a timeout. We come back. I'm going to give plenty of time to the next guy coming up because I know he's fuming. Hopefully, he's patiently waiting. He caught a lot of big fish this week, so he should be in a good mood. That's JR from Colorado Clays. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll talk a little shooting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wisdom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And I hope waiting patiently is J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. You know, I was stuck in a spot where this guy was given all this knowledgeable information on fishing and I had to decide knowledgeable information or go to J.R. What could I do? Well, you can always go to me, Terry, because my tackle box is big enough if I can't figure it out. Um, I've probably got something in there that'll eventually work. Well, I'll tell you what. I, you know I only tease you because I love you, but I got to give you credit. You, you, We went out together this this last week, and you put me, you and I lit up the giant trout. Thank you so much, my friend. But why one lure outfished all the others so much, I still don't understand. Well, you know, Terry, and that's what I love about fishing, because uh, we're, we're on the same page there. We did go through the tackle box. We tried presentations. We did find one lure uh, drug through the right part of the, cal- the column that started producing the fish we were looking for. And I think I sent you the picture, Terry. Uh, I did clean one of those. And the little bugs that they were feeding on, that's the part of the column they were looking for food in. And I'm thinking that's why it worked, but it is fishing. Who knows? Yeah, that, that was, yeah. But it's a strange situation that we had similar lures, even the same lure, different color that wasn't quite as, one was even the same color, I think, and it wasn't effective as that one. But you're right, those are the mysteries. But let's talk some shooting. Um, you got leagues coming up pretty soon out there. For people who want to get into some level of competitive shooting, uh, especially skeet or trap or sporting clays, you do a lot of that with your league events, don't you? Yeah, and you're right, Terry. And coming up here starting June 22nd, so kind of mark the calendar on Wednesday evenings, those are the Colorado Clays Trap and Sporting Clays Leagues. So overview on Trap League, you can sign up as an individual or better yet as a five-person team. Our teams are made up of groups of anything from coworkers, neighbors, family and friends. Uh, we even have some all-female teams. Kids get in on the Colorado Clays Trap League. Um, we have time slots to fit pretty much most work schedules starting at 4.30 p.m. and running all the way till sundown. And Terry, it's always fun because it's set up so everyone shoots against other teams with similar skill levels based on their weekly scores. So no matter what, you're going to be competing, you're going to be pushed a little bit, but the focus is on fun, and it is really a fun time for people to get together. Now, Sporting Clays League, same thing. Um, If you love Sporting Clays, or even if you've never done Sporting Clays before, this league, it was set up by present and former Colorado Sporting Clays Association board members and was structured so that all shooters have a great time, they get to up their game with weekly shooting, and they can compete regardless of their skill level. So, uh, again, conducive to most people's schedules because shooting is from 1.30 till sundown on that as well. And, Terry, there's a lot of details, but these two things are uh, one of the 
funnest evenings you'll have on Wednesday nights. All you do is simply give us a call to sign up for them. We'll answer any questions you have and tell you how to register. Now, you can even match people with my skill level? Yeah, skill is a loose term, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it's always fun. You know, people think back to, you know, think about, you know, bowling and softball leagues and stuff, you know. We can go out and play catch or we can go just bowl a game. But when you have a little competition or you and I fishing, when we're out on the water, the banter, the the trash talk a little bit, the the trying to a little up one upmanship. It it it's all in fun. It's good natured. We're not talking about life or death or or huge amounts of money, but we are talking about it just makes it a good time, doesn't it? Absolutely, Terry. And you know on that note, and that's really what it's all about. Um, so, you know, of course, Colorado Clays is open year-round, and we function as the premier facility all year, offering our normal rifle pistols, traps, skeet, wobble traps, sporting clays, and, of course, much more. But, you know, now is a particularly great time of year at Colorado Clays because not only are we offering the same great services, but the weather's getting better, and we're entering our special event season. And like you're saying, Terry, the beauty of the Colorado Clays special event season is that the majority of the extra and seasonal events we have here are totally accessible to all of our valued customers by simply signing up for them. So, for example, uh, as we know, Colorado Place hosts a multitude of fundraiser shooting events to benefit a wide variety of charitable causes. And if you would like to experience one of these great events, just go to our website. We have information on how to research and register for them, uh, whether you're an individual or as a team. And, Terry, generally the, these events are going to include a breakfast and or a lunch. The shooting event held on the beautiful Colorado Clays ranges or courses, uh, sometimes shooting games for fun or for prizes, raffles, door prizes, refreshments. But like you were saying always an overall great time raising money for a charity and it's always a win-win because uh, it's a great opportunity to enjoy shooting sports with great people with some competitive nature involved and again just give us a call we can answer questions but you got to get in on this time of year at Colorado Quays. Well and you know I've been fortunate to participate in some some uh, shooting events that were celebrity type events. And so they let me in and pretended I was a celebrity, but, um, it does raise your game. It really does. I mean, you know, instead of just going out and shooting, even when you're just shooting with a friend or fishing with a friend, it raises your game. You have that little extra incentive. Your focus gets a little better, and you actually get better. It really does improve you because it keeps you focused, and, it, and, and it's just so much fun and have a little camaraderie. And speaking of fun and a little bit of competition, you have an event you do every year that's going to be on us so quick, and that's your, your cast and clays. What's going on with that? Yeah, Terry, this is a once-a-year deal. It is the Colorado Clays Cast and Clays event, uh, Sunday, June 5th. So uh, mark the calendar. And, Terry, this is my favorite event of the year. It incorporates my two favorite outdoor activities, fishing and shooting, into a one-day tournament um, format that gives anyone uh, the ability to compete regardless of their fishing or shooting abilities. And... 
for this uh, cast and clays, Terry, you sign up as a two-person team. Uh, we'll start fishing at Bar Lake at 7 a.m. Uh, we'll fish until 11 a.m., and that will be how we do our fishing score. You'll be awarded one point per inch of legal game fish you catch and measure. Then we'll head to Colorado Quays for a delicious lunch served in our big special event tent. After lunch is the shooting portion, and each person shoots 50 targets on the Colorado Quays Sporting Quays course. You are then awarded one point for each broken target, and that added to your fishing score as how you find your total score for the day. So the format is fantastic. What makes this such a great tournament, Terry, is that we have some big sponsors that make sure we can do several things. Number one, TransWest GMC. They donate money so that we can go ahead and give away good high-dollar prizes for those top teams. But Bass Pro Shop Cabela's Denver, they, they uh, sponsor special categories for family. And we really love having the families at the Cass and Clays event. We have parent-child categories. We have kids categories. We have co-ed categories, uh, door prizes, and really, again, Terry, Tightline Outdoors jumps in on that. Nate always donates prizes, and I actually think he's doing the tournament himself this year. Um, when you combine all of this together, Everybody is competing in categories. Everybody's competing for the big prize. But number one, uh, we're all there having a good time doing what we love to do. Uh, couldn't do it without Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Same with Michelle over at Bar Lake. Uh, just the list goes on. I will say it is only $100 for a two-person team to join this event, Terry. And that includes your fishing at Bar Lake, your lunch, your targets in the afternoon, the uh, door prizes, all the stuff you get in on, so um, you can't hardly go to dinner for what it costs to have this excellent one day of outdoor activity. So definitely give us a call. Uh, we can sign you up. We have some spots open right now, so I encourage anyone that thinks this sounds like a great time uh, to give me a call as soon as they can, and we'll get you going. We are out of time, but real quick, how's the best way to get a hold of you guys' website? Uh, either way, Terry, give us a call, 303-659-7117. We can generally answer all your questions, sign you up for anything, or go to the website if you want to research a little bit, coloradoclays.com. And uh, either way, make sure you get out here, see what all is going on this time of year, and for sure, get in on some of the fun. All right. I have to let you go, but I need you to be out on the water doing bass research for me so we can get out next week. Unfortunately, I have to go to Napa and taste wine this week, so I'll have to wait till I get back to go together. Okay, I'll do the research, and uh, we'll be ready. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a great rest of the weekend, Jr. You as well, Terry. Thank you. You bet. Jr. Um, from Colorado Clays. Great people, great place. If you're into the shooting sports at all, give them a just... Check them out. They're just fantastic. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And I have some really good information on crappie fishing for you. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear in my eyes each night. I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Ty, thank you again for bumpering us in with a, a cut out of the 
recent released EP by Wickstrom and Dobreth. You can find Wickstrom and Dobreth on social media by searching Wickstrom and Dobreth or your favorite streaming. Uh, we'd love to have you folks give us a listen and tell us what you think of the music. Uh, we're going to be releasing a new single this summer, too, so kind of look forward to that. We're excited about it. And maybe another one towards the end of the year. we got a couple in the works. So we appreciate all the response we get to the music for Wickstrom and Dobreth. Hey. Let's talk outdoors. Let's talk some fishing. Crappie fishing down in the southwest, southeast part of Colorado is really taking off. Uh, the John Martin, the Queens, Blue Lake, Nanoshi, Grandi, and the uh, wiper, white bass are not going to be very far behind if they're not going already. And the saw guys after that. And there's good largemouth in a bunch of those lakes. Uh, and it's you can get away from the crowds. And there's some of those lakes that are... Very accessible with the boats. The water is low out there, but it's coming up. It's high enough to launch in most of those lakes, but check before you go. There's also a couple that's a little difficult to launch, and you kayak fishermen can get out there and just make hay. You can go out there with no big boats, have access to some of the best warm water fishing in the state, from the crappies to the wipers to the saw guy. And just have the time of your life. And because it is taking off so hot right now, that fishing is really getting going. I took a post from the biologist down there and I reposted it this morning on my Facebook page because he really gives the tips on which of those lakes, where to go and some of the presentations. So if you're looking for a place to head out, do some fishing, just listen to that uh, biologist report again. Also, there are some, uh, YouTube channel things on that right there. And if you're looking at YouTube for fishing, go to the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Almost every aspect of fishing in this part of the country that we cover on this show, there's a video on the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And the, the reason is we did 22 seasons of television. We did Mountain States Fishing and we did... uh we did Angling Adventures, which was more of a travel show, but even a lot of that was filmed around here. So there's 150, 170 episodes up on our YouTube channel. About half of them were filmed right here in your backyard. They still have pertinent information. They talk about presentations, fish location. You'll get a lot of great information to enhance your fishing right here. If you like what you hear on this show, join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. You go get that report on the Southeast Lakes right now. I will be posting this this episode we had from St. Pete's Fly Shop about the Pooter, the Big Thompson, and the areas around here was just fantastic today. I will get that posted on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook probably by Monday. It's just a fantastic piece. You want to hear that. And I'm always putting some of the... the, the um, some of the the podcasts from our episode, our our segments up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube. Follow our music on Wickstrom and Dobreth. You'll get a lot of uh, hopefully a lot of fun and enjoy that. And by next week or two, we'll have an announcement about the big Terry Wickstrom twenty five year slash Jack's Grand Opening celebration that's coming up this summer. Hopefully, you'll be able to join us for that. Thanks to Ty for helping this ha- make this happen. And as always, thanks to Karen for keeping me online, lining up guests, and making this show go. Uh, we enjoy doing this. We enjoy more being out there with you in the outdoors. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour where we're going to have ESPN Radio and then Major League Baseball, the Giants versus the Cardinals on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> 